So for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about growing in God's lettuce patch. It's kind of pun on words, but I've had a lot of fun with it. But last week, we're not going to be here long like there's almost 30 of these things led us. So the question is, what could be greater than you growing in God? And the answer is growing in God with others. Because before we get to the end of this, we're going to talk about a mixed salad. Yeah, you'll, you'll get it later. Lit mixed lettuce. And so um, last week we talked about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore labor to enter into his rest. And Paul is dealing with Jews that are still having a tough time of trusting Christ for their salvation. So he says, let us labor, spedazzle, means with great diligence. And we'll talk about this next week for a little bit. But he said, one of the hardest things you as believers will do. Is anybody here beside me a believer, born again? I am. And one of the hardest things for us to do is to not touch what he's done. We talked about this last week in creation. God said it's good six times. And then the seventh time he said, it's very good. It's what I want in Hebrew. And he said, and don't touch it. And I gave the analogy about a concrete slab. They, they got it all finished, and some five-year-olds felt like they needed to add their finishing touches to it. God said, if you touch that thing, you're going to mess it up. Leave it alone. And in creation, the reason why the Bible says that God rested from his work, it wasn't because he was tired. It was because that he was finished. And he likens this verse into the crucifixion of Jesus. And we, we'll, and, and we will talk about this next week. But he said the word to King James, if Joshua would have finished it, it says Jesus, but he means Joshua, he wouldn't have talked about another day. Jesus is the finished work of God for redemption. And not only does the finished work of the cross bring redemption, but it brings what? Rest. And so my whole life growing up in the church, in Pentecostal church, I mean, they taught me that we had to add to it and take away and, and put your little flare on that. And I felt like, and I found out through the years, I just messed things up. So God says, leave it alone. My son finished it. So this morning for a little bit of time, and not long, if you're visiting here, only about six or seven minutes at the longest. And uh, I'm, I'm going to explain myself because it says, we get into, we, we get into this, that sabatimos is a word that we'll talk about in a week or two. But watch this. This rest is, is not a rest for creation. It's a Sabbath rest or sabatismos it's only used one time in the Bible, and it has everything not to do with the day. It's the Lord of the day. And I gave you the scripture last week of Mark chapter 2, and that we refer to is that he says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, so, so for some of you that have been coming to church a long time, I, I probably need you to pay attention to this. Probably because this rest has nothing to do with the rest of a particular day set aside. It has everything to do with resting, not in the Sabbath, but the Lord of the Sabbath. And who's the Lord of the Sabbath? Jesus. He says it three times, and we showed you last week, but in Mark chapter 2, I want to, I want to clarify this as much as I can for you in story form. So we're going to start reading in Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 28. And it came to pass that when he, Jesus, went through the cornfields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began, they went to pluck the ears of corn. 
And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungered, and, and, and he and they that were with him? How he went through the house of God in the days of Abathar and the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful to eat, but the priest gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was not made for man, the Sabbath was made for man, excuse me, and not man for the Sabbath. Okay? So I want to finish this verse 28. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. So for you that are in elementary and biblical schooling, I want to school you this morning. So what we have here when Paul is referring to certain things that you may not be informed of what's really going on in this story, but that's why I'm here. That's why I make all the big bucks here. <laughs> we are now witnessing the rise of the tide of conflict at a very early age of the ministry of Jesus. It just began between the religious leaders and Jesus. The anger and the hate and the rage has already began. And he just got started. Now, I want you to know that, number one, going through these cornfields on the Sabbath, the first thing that they said was that, why have you done an unlawful thing? It was not unlawful. There were some exceptions made for this in Leviticus that you could go through the field, but you couldn't lay a sickle to it. They, Jesus and the disciples, it tells you in the book of Luke, that they gathered it and rubbed it in their hands not with a sickle. So by law, they didn't break the law. But the problem with this, they violated, they violated a rabbinical tradition. Now, for some of you that don't know this, at Sinai, God gave the Ten Commandments, which we refer to as the Decalogue. But by the time of Jesus come around, through the generations between Moses and Jesus, they had written, these rabbis, 16, 613 new rules and regulations that was observed and imposed upon the people as law. God gave 10, and through the generations of the rabbi, each generation of rabbi, they could, what they were doing was they was fine-tuning and tweaking the scriptures. So now then, instead of just 10, now then what we have, we have 613 that was observed and imposed upon the people. And this happened to fall into this category of going through the cornfield. There's a few of them. One of them was a Sabbath day journey. The rabbis and the Jews said that you, on, on the Sabbath, you could only go a Sabbath day journey. Remember when Jesus said that he said, you better pray when destruction comes upon Jerusalem, it's not on the Sabbath. Because on the Sabbath day journey, the priest said you could only travel 1,999 paces, which is about 880 yards, which is a half a mile. Jesus said, you better pray when Titus comes. It's not on the Sabbath because you can only travel according to your laws a half a mile. And it was over half a mile from one wall to the other inside Jerusalem. 
And the reason why this is important because they've been watching these guys walk and I'll guarantee you these disciples have walked more than half a mile. So they're about to break not only one but a couple or three traditions here. Number two probably is, is very simple. It's called untie the knot. If your sandals had a knot in them, you couldn't untie it. True. Couldn't untie it. You just had to leave it alone. Now what has that got to do with anything with loving God? I don't know. But they observed it and they regulated it and they imposed it. And there was great consequence and penalty. So if you had a knot in your shoe and you were stepping all over it, you couldn't mess with it until the, the Sabbath was over. The next one was called what we refer to as a torn garment with skin exposed. If, if, if going somewhere and you were playing tag or you couldn't play tag on the Sabbath, but for whatever reason that your, your tunic fell off and you ripped it and it was exposing your skin, not everybody's got a, a God. You know, some of us got a body like a God. It's Buddha. But the rest of y'all, but if your skin is exposed, you know, you, you're allowed to sew it, but only with one stitch. Now, if you don't believe this, you can get on a framework of, well, I peek in and look it up, the, 16, the, the 613 laws of the Jews. Look it up yourself. It's hilarious. They're all added. And not only they were added, they were imposed upon the people. So you have all these laws that was instituted that was, was laid upon the people that they couldn't keep them at all. And so what happens is that, that these are just a few. So when they accused Jesus of, of illegally going to the cornfield and illegally gathering on the Sabbath like any good attorney that's being indicted in a court of law, a good attorney will always recite the written law. So now all these religious leaders have got him surrounded and they're accusing him of breaking the Sabbath because that he not only gathered the corn, but they're rubbing the corn and they're shelling it. And they said, you have absolutely broken the law of God. Good old number four. You've broken it. And like any good attorney being accused of anything, he would say, but, but this is what he says. He said, but I want to remind you what the scripture says. Please show verse 25 again. And he said unto them, have you never read what David did. This is an insult. You're not talking about a bunch of people come from south of Wilson. You're talking about the leaders of the church, the scribes, the people that knew all the law, the infractions of the law. They knew it all. And so now they, he does exactly what a good attorney would do in front of a judge. He says, your honor, evidently these boys have not read the Bible. And he looks at them and says this, have you boys never read in 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 6, in the case of David versus King Saul? And they got quiet. And how David and his men, his, his band of brothers, it's a motley crew, that they were so hungry, they went beyond gathering the corn. They went right into the table of the, where the showbread was. And God permitted that to happen. And none of them said anything. You know why? Because he just recited what God had already written. Where you're going to get in trouble is, is reciting little poems and quotes that God never said. It's all over the internet. 
Oh, everybody's posting these cute little sayings. I don't mind them being cute, but it doesn't replace the surety of the God's word. Rose are red, violets are green, your head's like a washing machine. I understand that. It may be cute. Oh, if, 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 if God will take you to it, he'll lead you to it. That's a good verse, but it's not scripture. It sounds good. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not there. God helps those that help themselves. It's not there. It sounds good. But the church has been more affiliated with quotes and sayings more than they had the word of God. And this is exactly what Jesus said. He's looking at these religious leaders and said, have you boys never read your Bible? Have you never read 1 Samuel 21? Anybody here? I'm not talking to you. I'm just acting like you're a bunch of religious hypocrites. But I could if you want to. <laughs> And, and Your Honor, I, I'm just telling you straight up. I'm just reciting your law. And anybody here beside me, ever went to a court case, you, you was on trial for something? Anybody here? Look at Jeremy. Anybody here? We don't need to know that story. Anybody else besides Jeremy? Him and Mark. We got them in two opposite of the polars. Him and Mark. As far as the east from the west. And if you had a pretty good attorney, but you watch TV, I guess, and don't these attorneys say, but Your Honor, in the case of Mutt versus Jeff, And you got, you got a lawyer called uh, Willie Cheatham and Howe, you know, or Skin and Flint, you know, those guys. But good attorneys, do, do they not recite what it's already written in, in cases? If you got attorneys say, hey, I got a great idea. Uh, that, nobody wants your idea. We want to know what the law says. And any time that you can recite what has already been in law, then the judge has to make a verdict according to what's already in the law. Are y'all with me? I guess you are. Yeah. Amen. So this is where we're at. So Jesus has got a, they got a handful of, they got a handful of daylight donuts and, and corn and, and, and Jesus said, have you boys never read your Bible? This is what David did. And so I asked this question. So why was it so important for Jesus to use this particular passage? And the answer is because David was the people's champion. David was God's anointed king. David was part of the lineage that Jesus would come through, and nobody would ever disrespect what, G what David would do. Now, them knuckleheads did well in his days, but after, they, after the matter of fact, it was funny now, but it wasn't funny then. He particularly used David because David was God's man. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. He was a man after God's own heart. Isn't that amazing? So J Jesus could have pulled anything out. He could have pulled any rabbit out of the hat, but he chose David for these people's reason. Now he makes a statement back and he said, because the Sabbath was made for man and man not made for the Sabbath. Okay? Where God had set these people free, Rabbi traditions are fixing to chain them back up and have chained them back up. When God spiritually claimed the year of Jubilee upon these people, now then, these rabbis through the, through the, the generations have imposed and regulated all these dumb rules. And we're going to show you a couple how it applies to us today. So, so the case entitled this case was called Unnecessary Work. They broke good on number four back in Exodus 20 
because he's referred to as unnecessary work. But there was one exemption, and it was called life-threatening. You could do something on the Sabbath day without breaking good old number four. But there was only one clause it was, if it was life-threatening. So if you was walking down the road and you saw somebody about to be run over by a tractor trailer or anything or drowning in a, in a body of water, you were permitted to help them. But if someone was in an accident and they broke their arm, you had to wait till the next day to splint it. You think I'm making this up, don't you? These people over here, this is the first time they ever heard anything like this. They're going to do what? If they was in an accident and they dislocated their shoulder, you could not reset the shoulder, the shoulder until the Sabbath was over because it wasn't life-threatening. Now, this is going to be important in about 10 minutes. So there were some exceptions to good old number four on the Sabbath. Of course, they, they make up the rules as they go. It's kind of like watching rugby. Does anybody here understand anything about rugby? Uh -uh. Especially when the, the announcer is in Spanish. I don't, it's really confusing. He's excited, but I don't understand. They kick it, they throw it, they run with it. I don't know what they do with it, but I guess there's some rules, I guess. So these Jews were making up rules as they went. And no wonder these people were burned out. No wonder they were exhausted. That's why Jesus said, come unto me all the you're heavy laden, capalzo, you're overworked, you're overburdened, and I'll give you rest. Not only rest for your spirit, but rest for your souls or your minds. So the only, the only exemption was, was for life-threatening. And so what he's telling you is this, is that there was certain exemption for breaking the law, but if it was outside of life-threatening, that, that it, was, it was not permitted at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus will address this. He said, so it, we, we can't do good. We, we, we can't reset a broken bone. We can't reset a dislocated shoulder. If, if a finger's cut off, we, that we have to just stick in our pocket until tomorrow. That's it. How would you like to live under that law? You see, when it says that the Sabbath was made for man and man not for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was God's gift to us. Take a day off. Amen. Take a day off. Now, I'm, I'm going to get somewhere with this, but has anybody here ever worked seven days, 14 days in a row? It does something to you. It does something to your mind. And this is what I'll say to you on this Sabbath day. It means a Sabbath day rest once again. That Not necessarily today because some of you can't get off on But But if you're a nurse or a doctor here, thank you for working on Saturdays. Thank you. Because I'll tell you what, I've been injured on a Saturday and I had to go to a doctor. And I'd hate to go to the doctor and say, hey, I, I, I cut this finger off right here. He said, well, you got to wait till tomorrow. The Sabbath's over. Now, I'm, I'm not being cute about this. I'm just talking to you. Somewhere we got, we got to bring truth into, 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 into this cesspool of, of stuff. I don't worship the day. I worship the Lord of the day. And I don't care if it's Sunday and I understand the transition of Constantine. I'm not going to get hung up on that. I don't care if we worship on Tuesday. He's still Lord on Tuesday. 
that the Sabbath was made for man. And what God is basically saying was, take a day off. Because if you don't, you're going to wear out. And you're going to wear out your body, and you're going to wear out your animals, and you're going to wear out your land. Now, I know this section knows this. I know that. But remember when they went into 70 years of captivity? Do you know why they went? Because they did not let the land rest. In 490 years, and God instituted in Second Chronicles, you let the land rest every seven years. You let it rest. And for 490 years, they did not. He said, okay, I'm still a man of my word. And after the 490 year, he put them in captivity because 490 divided by seven is 70. Can you imagine God making the people go to captivity for 70 years because they did not? As a matter of fact, 2 Chronicles 35, I think it says, because they will, the land will enjoy its Sabbath. With an S. You don't believe me. Go to 2 Chronicles 36, about 19, 20, 21, 22. Start with 20. And then they had escaped from the sword carried he Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. Talking about the Jews. Where they were servants to Nebuchadnezzar and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. Now watch this. Next verse. To fulfill. But do you understand that God's word is important to him? And if he said it, he meant it? And any braying donkey will tell you that God didn't mean it. You better turn him off. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath. He sent them into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar because they did not let the land rest every seven years for 490 years, and God said, I've had enough of this. I said it, I meant it, and now then, I'm going to have to put you in captivity for 70 years so the land can catch up. God is not mocked. So there's two views. So here comes the bombshell. In verse number 28, he refers to himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. There's two views concerning the institution of the Sabbath. Number one, some people feel like that the institution of the Sabbath was at Mount Sinai. The second group which I hold to is that the Sabbath began at creation with God himself. Because Genesis chapter 2, now I want you to know there's about 2,500 years plus or minus between the two. But I, I want you to know that some denominations, they stick to this Sabbath law starting with Moses. But I want you to know that as far as is, is the Bible in the context is concerned, the Sabbath day's rest began with God himself at creation. Because it was God says, it's very good, I'm finished. Now I'm going to rest. So what does the rest mean? I'm going to enjoy what I've created. All right? Okay. So, Keeping the fact in mind, him still going through the field of corn and being accused by his accusers. And he says, the man 
was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. It, 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 it is a place and a day off that he can rest. Your animals need to rest. The land needs to rest. And God said, I'm not kidding. Don't change it. Because he set the pattern in Genesis 2. But with this scripture, we've got to go back to where we began. Jesus, when he said in the cornfield, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. This word Lord is where we get a word for kirikos. It means I'm sovereign. I am the sovereign one. Now, hang on a minute. I am the sovereign of the Sabbath. I was there when the Sabbath began. Now let that sink in just for a moment. When he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, we in, in the Western civilization, we don't understand what he just said. He is announcing as second of the Trinity that he was creator of the Sabbath. He was the creator of creation. Matter of fact, it's found in St. John chapter number one, verse three. All things were made by him, Jesus. And without him, Jesus, was nothing made that was made. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word dwelt. It says all things were made by the second person of the Trinity. Jehovah Elohim, he is as much God as his father is God. And when he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, he said, I am the sovereign of the Sabbath. He said, I was there in creation because I created creation. No wonder they want to kill him. Because he just broke good old number two. Matter of fact, he broke number one and number two. See. So now then, in this verse, he's declaring a Sabbath rest because he is creator of creation. And now then, you could fry an egg on their head. Okay? So, we'll quit with this. When you begin to now then, now then, everybody can agree that this is on the Sabbath. Say this on the Sabbath. And, and, and you can't gather corn and you can't fill it through your hands. You can't do anything like that. You can't do it because it's the Sabbath. And now he announced it. He said, I got news for you. I am the creator of the Sabbath. I am the creator of the creation. I was in my father before the worlds were framed. He didn't come out and say it in English, but he's telling them, I am God. Oh, man. Now then, it's like putting aluminum foil in a microwave. I mean, they're about to, they're about to, their minds are blowing up. So now then, this thing is not over. There's no chapters or verses in, in the lexicon. So he's telling the story. And while he's still got an armful of corn and grain, he, he makes his way to the temple. And now they're following because the Bible says in Mark 3, there's no, they're, they're wanting to see what he's going to do. 
And so, so according to the case of David versus King Saul, I mean, he had them hands down. So now then they got to look for something else. You See, your enemy will get you one way or the other. If, if he can't get you with a top water plug, he'll throw some stink bake on the bottom, see if you'll buy it. Yeah, you, you'll get it later. He'll try everything on you. So now then they're falling and he makes his way to the temple. And when he gets there, here's a guy with a withered hand. The thing is from birth, it's, it, it's just withered up. And watch it. This is wonderful. Jesus said, uh, do you want to be healed? And this is what he could have said. He said, man, and, and, and these people are murderous. And he said, you're going to have to make a choice. If you want to be healed on a day that they don't recognize or if you want to be healed because the creator of all things is in your presence. And the man made the decision to break the rabbinical law and he stretched out his hand. Some things of religious rules in your background has probably kept you incarcerated from you really being healed in some areas. But you're going to have to make up your mind. Regardless of what I've been taught or what I've been poured into me, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I believe that he's the healer of all things. And even though it's a day that they can impose sanctions against me, but I choose my healing over a withered hand another day. I choose to allow Christ to be Lord of my life, then go home in the same condition that when I came. I choose to raise my hands in worship, and, 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 and even though some people are going to laugh at me, but I believe as I raise my hand in worship, he raises his hands down towards me. It's up to you. He didn't grab me by the arm. He said, come here. You he said, you want to be healed? And that guy could have said, do you know what today is? You have to choose. And the Bible says, and, and he healed him. Now, what's fascinating about this is fascinating. Verse 6 says this. After he healed him, verse 6, and the Pharisees, the same people, went forth and immediately or straightway took counsel with Herodians that were there against him how they might murder Jesus. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no next day, next month, next week. I mean, within just a few seconds, after gathering the ears of corn and getting the disciples and after healing the withered man's hand, it was because it was breaking a, a, a rabbi's violation of his rules, but they didn't care anything about the people. Jamie said it right. We care about you. And you might have been raised Episcopal, Baptist, Presbyterian, Vegetarian. I don't care. He died for your sins. There is no other mediator between God and man. There is, no, there is none other except Christ the Savior. He'll heal your body. He'll heal your mind. And you may say, oh, I, I was taught he would. Well, throw that garbage out. Do you, do you want to be held captive in unbelief and doubt? Or do you want to be healed this morning? Jesus said, I'm good. You do what you want to do. But I'm telling you, even though it's a bad day on the calendar, but it's a good day if you'll just say yes. Well, I was raised in church that if you got the Holy Ghost, it makes you weird. You're already weird. You're, you're already weird. Are you Pentecost? I hope I am. The word Pentecost means 50. It means the Holy Spirit is just in me. And, and, and can you kind of agree? I'm not on medication. The Spirit of God's in me. 
You may not agree with it, but it's in me. You have to make that decision. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what your upbringing, your traditions, no matter what your thought process has been, Jesus himself has come not only to save you, but to heal you and heal your mind and your heart and your thoughts. And he's here to heal you. All you got to do is just stretch it out. Here's my broken mind. Here's my broken past. Here's my broken this. And I just want you to heal me. I don't know how it works. He didn't ask Jesus, can you give me a, 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 a written record of how this is going to work? He just said, just stretch out your hand. This is what I want to show you this morning. So it was illegal, according to the religious Jews, to do good and heal a man's withered hand on the Sabbath. But it was legal for those same religious Jews to plot murder of the Son of God on the Sabbath day. Leave that up for just for a moment. So let's get this, let's, let's wrap this around our head. You mean it's illegal for men that are starving to death to go through, even though the law said you could do it, to gather a few ears of corn, to eat it on the way. It was illegal because it was a violation of a day and it was illegal to heal a man's withered hand because he'd never used it since the day he was born, but it was not illegal to plot the Son of God's murder on the same day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something to you because this is why this church is not filled up. But there's more murders that's been happened in churches you can imagine with their tongue. Well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like the way that he dresses. I don't like the way she looks. I don't like the way he combs his hair. And, and, and the Bible says this and that. It doesn't really. It's just your tradition. And no wonder you're messed up. Turn to somebody and say, no wonder you're, you're goofy. Tell them that. They don't care. You're goofy. You're messed up. So it's okay. It's not okay to gather in a few ears of corn and eat them and heal a, a man's body on the Sabbath but it is okay within about 10 minutes later to gather together and say, this is how we're going to kill him. One word. Hypocrite. And so for some of you, not you of course, but some of you think I'm a little harsh on people. I'm not. But I'm going to call it just like it is. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is sovereign on the Sabbath. Jesus is the creator of all creation. And the word of God was made flesh and he walked among us. So this morning, it just takes me a little bit, sorry about this, it just takes me a little bit to kind of unlayer the onion here of what he means by the Lord of the Sabbath and why he said it. So I'm glad this morning we had the opportunity to worship him and come on a Sunday and we're not going to worship the day. We're going to worship the Lord of the day because he's the creator of the day. All things were made by him, for him, by him, and through him for his good pleasure. But if you're here this morning, you're messed up, you're locked up, your mind's in a mess. You're physically, your body is messed up. I'm just here to tell you this morning, you don't, there's no secret formula. There's no, there's no cards you have to fill out. None of this stuff. If you want to be free from your past and guilt and shame and all that stuff, it's just so simple. You just stick your hand out and say, Lord, 
I want to be whole. I've learned through my whole life to, to operate by one hand, but I sure like to know what it's like to, to, to serve you with both hands. And he said, I will. So don't let anybody judge you. Don't let, let anybody arrest you and lock you back up. If, if Christ is Lord of your life and the word of God is bound to your heart, I will tell you, you're going to live a life that's pleasing to him. And we'll combat the spirit of goofiness and hypocrisy every day in my life. Agree? Now somebody asked, and that's it, we're done. Now somebody asked about this deal going on in Ukraine. We're going to pray for these folks about Gog and Magog. We, we, can throw a lot of, we can throw a lot of stuff in there. I'm not in that business to do that. But I will tell you that Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39, there's Gog and Magog, and some feels like it's Russia and China, the king of the north because of Japheth, because of Shem, and because of Ham. Ham went to the south, Japheth went to the north, and Shem went to the east, which is Palestine. And Japheth is referred to as the king of the north, and he talked about this. But I, we're not going to get lost in any of that. We just need to pray for these people. Okay? need to pray for these people. Because it, it, it'll do something to you. To watch those fathers kiss their children and their wives. Knowing the outcome. Well, my hat's off to them and my heart is towards them. So, Father, this morning, thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your generosity. And thank you for because the word is so, it's so perfect. And every time that we are accused by the accuser of the brethren, whether it be our, our faults, our mistakes, our shame, our guilt, our mishaps, teach us to do exactly what Jesus, he recited the written law. And Father, we recite to you this morning that the blood of Jesus cleanses all of us from sin. No weapon that's formed against us shall prosper. Father, in the middle of the night when the accuser of the brethren comes and slips into our room and lays his head upon our pillow and tells us that our children will never make it and our grandchildren will never survive and, and we'll never get through this thing, we just, we just plead the blood of Christ and knowing that Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. Not only is he my savior, he's my creator. He's my sustainer. He's my provider. You're my protection. And this morning, Father, we're just going to enter into that rest. It's not about a certain day, but it's the Lord of the day. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run in it, you said, and we, we are saved. And I just run to you this morning. And we all, men and women, with withered something, something that has not grown in proportion, something that's a defect, and we all run to you this morning. We don't understand the mechanics of it or how it works, but this morning, the best I can, I just tell you, I want to be healed and made whole today. I want my mind to be right. I want my marriage to be good. I want my church to be good. But it starts with me. And I just reach out to you this morning. Father, we reach out to you this morning to you heal us. To make us whole. 
And second of all, we pray for these people of Ukraine. We, we pray for every father and mother right now that is, is being torn and ripped in two because of a tyrant. The spirit of Antichrist is imposing laws and regulations against them. And I just pray for supernatural help. Father, we in this small church, we believe in the power of prayer. And we're asking you for some supernatural help. We appreciate militaries and arms and stingers and, and all these things that will help these men, but we're asking for some supernatural help to help these men and women be free from the tyrancy of Putin. You've done it before. Father, I just recite to you in the case of Elijah and Elisha, you've done it before. Your word says that the mountains was filled with angels. You've done it before and we just ask you to do it again. Because it won't stop in Poland and it won't stop in the Baltic Islands. It will head to the nation of Israel. So Father, we pray for these families and homes that are being attacked. And we give you thanks this morning in Christ's name. And all the people of God said, Amen. If you're glad Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, stand and give the Lord a praise offering this morning, would you please? Ah, God is good. Communion servers, please come. We learned last week, they all heard the gospel, but they didn't all mix it with faith and it profited them nothing. So your whole life this morning as they come and someone has accused you, incited rules and regulations against you, and you've carried that your entire life of not being good enough, tall enough, thin enough, beautiful enough, spiritual enough, and you've carried that all your life until today. You're exactly what God wanted. That night he sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he lifted up the bread. He said, this bread has been celebrated for 1,500 years the unleavened bread of Moses. But he said, I am the bread of life now that was sent down from my Father and whosoever would eat of me shall never hunger again. And he took the cup and he said, for 1,500 years you've been celebrating the Lamb's blood that was taken and placed on the post of a door in the shape of a cross. Then when the Abaddon, the death angel would come, he would pass over your house. He said, I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and my Father will take my blood in the shape of a cross upon Calvary for the forgiveness of your sins. And every time I take the bread and every time I take the cup, it reminds me that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Father, bless this cup and bless this bread. And for all of us with withered hands, 
Heal us today in Jesus' name.